everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have an exciting show. If you've ever gone on the internet and looked up a Chinese food recipe, there's a good chance that your search engine pointed you to our guest today. They are two of the founders and uh, creators behind The Walks of Life. And we are excited to have them with us today. We are talking to Sarah and Caitlin Lang from The Walks of Life. Welcome, guys. Hey, Curtis. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for spending time with us. Uh, where are you guys calling from? We are calling from uh, my parents' house in the suburbs of New Jersey. And yeah, we're we're here uh, blogging some recipes this week. Awesome. What's What's good in the suburbs of New Jersey right now? What isn't good in the suburbs of New Jersey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Bagels. Uh-huh. Bagels and pizza um are really good. And uh and we're doing we're getting it's springtime mm. right now, so we're getting ready to uh to do some gardening and uh hopefully beef up the new gardening section of our blog. Ooh. How are the weeds looking? Actually, not bad. I've been staying on top of those. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I read this book about organic gardening last year that was like, hey, don't neglect your garden in winter and like check to make sure that those weeds aren't getting too out of control. So I've been I've been out there periodically weeding uh, over the last uh, month or so. I, I literally laughed out loud. I think it was one of Sarah's posts where she we showed this immaculate you know, the, the paver stones, how immaculately <laughs> clean they were. And then he said, literally one day later. <laughs> that was a good one. Yes. Yeah. It's never ending. Yes. Never ending. Yeah. Okay. So we are talking to Sarah and Caitlin Lang. Uh, could you give us a quick elevator pitch of the walks of life? Sure. Uh, so The Walks of Life is a multi-generational food blog that Caitlin and I run with our parents, Bill and Judy. And uh, we started it in 2013 basically as a way to record our family recipes um, because Caitlin and I realized that while we love to cook, we really didn't know how to make a lot of the dishes that our parents mm -hmm. cooked for us growing up. Um, many of them were Chinese recipes. Uh, so while we like were cooking like spaghetti and meatballs and like other, uh, recipes that you could easily find on the internet or in a book, um, we really didn't have access to those, those Chinese recipes that we grew up with. So we started the blog to record those, um, and realized that there were a lot of other people, not just us, uh, looking for those recipes out there. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time where it's like someone will share, oh, you know, my grandma used to make this, but she never wrote anything down, right. you know, or, you know, I've seen my uncle do this. I've seen my dad do that, but no one writes these things down. It's like they just wing it. And so it's so nice to have this resource of generations, right? You know, your grandparents are involved as well, a little bit with their recipes, but it's just great to see this treasure trove, literally, of Chinese cooking on the Internet. And so thank you so much for what you do. Oh, thank you. Well, I think also it's, yeah, everybody shares, well, everybody, I should say, like a lot of Chinese Americans share that sort of vague understanding or awareness <laughs> or familiarity of these things. And, um, you know, there comes a time where, like, you know, rubber meets the road and you're like, okay, like, how do I actually roll up my sleeves and start to do, to do this myself and pull it off? And, it, I think we really find it rewarding that, you know, the blog is a resource for people where it's like one, one 
one more step in the right direction or like a little bit easier to kind of get started. So yeah, that's been great. Yeah. Do you mind if we dig a little into your past? I like to go into the roots of our our guests here. Sure. (laughs) So Chinese Americans, you have, you have kind of a dual past in a way. Your dad, uh, the, the name Lang sounds like a Cantonese name to me. Did your dad have more of a Cantonese background? Yep. Uh, our dad's family is Cantonese and our mom is from Shanghai. Mm-hmm. How far back do you know your roots on your dad's side? Is he American born himself? Yeah. So uh, my dad grew up in upstate New York in the Catskills, actually. So uh-huh. he, is an, he is a first generation uh, Chinese American born in the U.S. Um, and his parents were immigrants. Um, they came from, uh, Guangdong in like that sort of Shenzhen area, uh, very close to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, his parents, uh, immigrated here. His father, uh, was a chef. His grandfather was a chef and his stepfather was also a chef. Um, so they all found work as chefs, uh, here in the U S, uh, which is, I think where a lot of that, um, sort of love of food and cooking started. Um, and also my grandmother, um, on my dad's side was also a really accomplished home cook. Um, Mm -hmm. so my dad and his sisters, my two aunts definitely got a, um, a really sort of deep kitchen education from a young age. (laughs) Um, you know, my, all of my, my dad and my two aunts, they're all great cooks and they all really, as a family, we all really care about food. Um, and then on my mom's side, she actually grew up in Shanghai. Um, she came to the U.S. at 16. And she ended up a stone's throw away from my dad wow. um, in Monticello, New York. Okay. Um, and that's uh, where they met. So they met pretty young. Uh, my mom, I think, was 19 and my dad was 22 at the time. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. So was he was he that restaurant kid who was doing homework in between stir frying and stuff like that? <laughs> and not exactly. Uh, so my parent, my grandparents actually didn't own the restaurant until my dad was in college. Okay, but he he wasn't. Um, that wasn't his full time job, right? He was an engineer, or yes, yeah. So he was yeah. just kind of help helping out where he could. <laughs> yep he was he was a software engineer. Um, and he had his first job in Binghamton, New York, which is about three hours north of where the restaurant was. And every Friday night, he would drive the three hours down oh, from wow. Binghamton down to New Jersey, uh, to work the weekend, um, at the restaurant. Oh, wow. Did you guys get dragged along at all? Or was he out of the business by that point? So the restaurant closed shortly after I think Caitlin was born, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so my grandparents kind of retired, um, but we there are pictures of us as like, or me as like a toddler. And yeah, v- very few. Yeah, they're rare, infant. but there's a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think, I think if you talk to almost any Chinese American who's been here for a little while, someone in the family had a restaurant. It was just what you did, right? Because language skills or even just just trying to get ahead in the 1930s, 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah, there weren't totally. a ton of opportunities. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think a good sign of a good Chinese restaurant is like a 9-year-old doing homework in the front. <laughs> Absolutely. <That's> so <laughs> yeah. true. No, for because, sure. Yeah, cuz you know it's family owned and um yeah. yeah, I mean, back then I think it was just the profession of 
choice for, like, as you said, a lot of reasons, right? There's a language barrier. I think it was sort of a more surefire business. I think, at, you know, there was always going to be mm-hmm. like an immigrant community who was around to kind of enjoy the food. And as well as, you know, I think Chinese food these days is beginning to get credit for just like how deeply etched it is in American food culture as this mainstay like any town in america like chances are there's like a little chinese takeout joint at least so yeah i mean like sarah said like our our dad had experience in it our grandfather uh you know my dad's biological father my dad's stepfather and then his grandfather like it just was a very much um you know a common thing it, it's in your blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you went to college, right? And you said to yourself, you know what? I think I'm going to, well, I don't know what you said to yourself. But, so you go to college <laughs> and you're studying kind of different forms of media and communication. Were, was food at all in your future at that point, if you were to talk to yourself? That's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, frankly, definitely not. Um, I think that we grew up loving food, eating food, cooking food. I think that we started our education pretty young of like kind of getting our feet wet in the kitchen, but it was never seen as a career. And I think that's like very much part of like the Chinese immigrant story is like, you know, maybe the parents and the grandparents worked the restaurant or worked the as chefs, but that was so that the kids could do something else. Right. So, so there, there's yeah. always that like, you know, through line of like, oh, get out of the kitchen, go study, like do your homework, do something, you know, learn, right. go be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> so me and Sarah, it was never, nothing was ever forced on us. I'll say that. Like if, if we had woken up and been like, I want to go to culinary school, I think my parents would have been supportive, but we definitely were interested in you know, I think just doing the like that like narrative that you get as a kid or it's like go out and get a job in corporate America, you know, and I think we kind of both looked mm-hmm. at college in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I guess I would say that I didn't necessarily consider food as a career until I actually uh, had been working for a year. I was out of college for one year. Um, I was I had been working actually in China at a brand consulting agency. And then I lost my visa for various like kind of political reasons. And then I was like, oh, I can't like continue my job here because of my visa. And so I came back to the US and um, tried to find a job and it was really a struggle. And and the, the first time I actually considered like, oh, like I could do something in food was when I started the blog. And I was <laughs> like, I can't find a job. Like I need to do something with my time. Um, and, uh, you know, as a family, we were kind of just like, hey, let's start this food blog. And Sarah, like you have a lot of time. You do. <laughs> like You start it. <laughs> um, and and then I kind of thought like I always considered it more of a plan B as like a side project that we would work on. But in the back of my head, like, it's nice to have a plan B, right? Because if if your plan A is kind of wonky or not going the way that you want it to, there's always this, like, backup. So I, I, in my head, I was always like, oh, if this, like, 
whole marketing thing doesn't work out, I could always end up like doing the blog full time. Um, and, you know, to go back to what Caitlin was saying about how, um, you know, our elders or parents or grandparents wouldn't necessarily have wanted like the same experience for us of like working in food. I think that, you know, none of us could have envisioned what like a food career might look like today, right? With like yeah. food blogs and, um, you know, content creation right. and videos <laughs> and like all this stuff. So, um, it's, it's different and, uh, different than I imagined. Um, and also a lot better than I imagined. So really happy yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I've heard you say, I think that it was kind of born out of the, the desire for this food yourself because your parents had moved overseas and we're like, see you later. And <laughs> you we're home and we're like, wait, we've never actually written down these recipes. We don't, you know, the food that we grew up with, we don't have access to it. And so that kind of spurred the idea like, well, if I'm going to do a food blog, may as well do the food that I want to cook. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, <laughs> when I was looking at colleges, I was like, I want to be close to home, you know? So like I found a school in Philly and ended up there and then, like, basically, before I even, like, got to college, my parents were like, oh, we're moving to China. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I deliberately wanted to be close to home, and now you're going to China? <laughs> Literally, like, the furthest away you could go. But, <laughs> you know, I, like, that aside, I think, you know, being in college is... Yeah, it's kind of one of those, like I said, rubber meets the road moments where you're like, okay, I do not know what I'm doing. I don't know, you know, how to get from point A to point B on these dishes that I really love to eat growing up. And um, I think there was that part of it. And then there was also like this aspect of it where we were always pretty close growing up. Like, I think that for us, like family time was always this like unwritten rule, like everybody made an effort to be at the dinner table every night growing up. And then when my parents were moved to China, suddenly that was like gone and it was weird, you know, like as a family who spent a lot of time together and also would like talk about like really like banal things of like, what should we have for dinner? It's like, you know, we're one of those families <laughs> where as soon as lunch wraps up, we're like, what's yeah. for dinner? <laughs> yeah. So like to, to not have that was very strange. And so, like, the blog uh -huh. was a really nice way to, you know, wrap our hands around those recipes and cooking techniques and all that good stuff. And it was also a way to keep in touch with each other and kind of, like, stay close and, you know, jot down little thoughts and things. Like, the in the early days of the blog, it was much more, like, bloggy, <laughs> where it was just sort of, like, musings. Mm -hmm. Um and then the other part of the blog was the fact that my parents were in China and then Sarah, you know, not long after joined them there. And there was all this this huge sort of influx of knowledge and tastes and different dishes and discoveries. And it was like, what do we, you know, what do we do with all that? And sort of be ashamed to not kind of like channel it into into something that would be, you know, a resource for us at least you know, going forward, like if, if yeah. nothing else, it was our family's recipe archives. Like that's what it was designed to be from the get go. Yeah. And it was like, all right, if only like two or three people like wander on here, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's at, least, at least like a journal for yourself. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
You know, and, and now that you look back on it, I mean, I'm sure you've done this, right? If you think about, if I wanted to create a Chinese food blog from scratch, wouldn't you want someone who's worked in the industry, right? And you want maybe someone who was born overseas <laughs> and you need someone with some organizational <laughs> skills and someone with some social media skills. And it looks like the four of you, you know, in a way. Yeah, it's true. It just Yeah, fit, we, yeah? we've got very yeah, lucky. We got really lucky. All the skill sets <laughs> that we have because it's actually incredibly complimentary. Like, you know, my mom has more of that like design, creative sensibility. My dad is very like, technical and like uh, discerning on techniques and ingredients and sort of the back end of the blog. And Sarah, Sarah kind of does both. Honestly, Sarah has the will to move everything forward and the detail orientation. <laughs> and then I'm, I don't know. I have, I have good. She's the social uh, yes, chair. I, I, have, I have the walks of social life. chair of the walks of life, which is hilarious because uh, in a family of four introverts, I'm the most extroverted and I'm the social chair. Like that, if uh -huh. you if you knew me personally, like that's pretty astounding. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Sarah both have a background in you know branding and sort of uh, online marketing. Right, right. So it's actually. <laughs> It was a perfect storm and it has been a perfect storm over the last like literally decade because we started when uh, back in 2013, which is crazy to think about. But it's, mm -hmm. it's a it's a train yeah. that's been running for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure in 2013, you were just like you said, kind of doing it for yourselves or the two or three people that would wander on there. Because like, how many of us knew someone in 2013, how many of us knew someone who made money off of a blog, who made a living right. off of a blog? You know, like a lot of people right. had blogs. <laughs> There's totally. A there was there was a there was a growing food blog world, I would say. It was definitely there. Mm -hmm. um, and there were people who made money off of it. But the people who made money off of it were more of like, whoa, like that's such like a kind of like shot in the dark sort of a thing like once in a okay idioms mm. idioms once in a blue moon i don't know what the right idiom is but <laughs> you know it was it was more yeah. rare it wasn't like today where like everything goes right. viral all the time and like at any given moment like something is going off the like crazy popular and yeah so back then it was like you know maybe maybe we could try our hand at it and you know, see if we could succeed. But at the very least, what we noticed was that there really was no singular go-to super robust resource for the kind of Chinese cooking content that we were looking for, you know, more mm -hmm. approachable in Chinese, detailed for a couple of rubes. In, in English. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. In English, I misspoke. In English <laughs> and detailed enough for a couple of like millennial rubes like ourselves to sort of get started. And and so when did you know that you had a hit on your hands? Like, did was it like a slow burn? You know, like, oh, look, we have a hundred, oh, a thousand, you know, like, when did you know? It was a really slow burn for <laughs> us, I would mm -hmm. say. It took like a few good years mm -hmm. before we started noticing that we were racking up audience. Um, it was a slow start. I think in the first year we were in the first year, it was like we were like, oh, it's just us. It's just us looking at this thing and like maybe <laughs> some family members and maybe a few like 
few people who just wandered in. How did they find us? How did they even like <laughs> discover us? It's so like, you know, we were just like dumbfounded that anyone would stumble across our blog. Uh-huh. Um, year two was probably, you know, we started to get a little bit of momentum. We were trying to like, um, you know, I guess, uh, for lack of like, I guess, um, promote our recipes elsewhere so that people would find them so we started to be like oh hey like maybe uh if we post our recipe or like our recipe on this platform like there used to be these um i don't know if people remember this site but it's it was called food gawker Uh um yeah yeah so where like you would just go on there and kind of just scroll through these images of like pretty food images and like kind of think like oh what what like are there any recipes here that I want to try? And so we would like, you know, we would post our stuff to food gawker um, and, you know, just slowly started to um, notice a few more people coming onto the site. And I, I think probably the year was 2015 or 2016 when we really were like, Oh, Hey, there's like a significant number Mm. of people looking at our site. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over the last few years, we've definitely noticed um, a lot more growth and more interest in Chinese cooking in general. Huh. I think that it started, it probably started more with, um, you know, Chinese Americans like ourselves who are looking for these recipes. Um, but I think over the past, uh, you know, the past few years, we've noticed just a greater overall interest in Chinese cooking and in wok cooking um, by the general public, uh, which I think is really great. Um, yeah. And people are realizing that these dishes that they're that used to be um, sort of only for the realm of eating out um, are now uh-huh. things that they can make themselves at home, uh, which is really, really awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's key that. Well, let's talk about your your blog for a second. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Was was the aesthetic always something super important to you? Like not at all. Um, no, truly not at all. Truly not. Yeah. No, if you, I don't know if you can do this on like time machine, like there were those like internet time machine things Uh where you can like go back to a webpage and what it looked like, like three years ago or something. Our site formerly for many, many years was very like, it was janky. It 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 was like, it was very (laughs) bare bones. (laughs) <laughs> bare bones um not at all well, designed it was, not particularly it was our logo at the top and then like a little bit of navigation yeah. below that and then just like recipes and you would just scroll down recipe 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 uh, you would go page by page it was very yeah, traditional super basic blog, blog and for a long time we were yeah you know we were like we're utilitarian and that's all people need and it was kind of well, <laughs> I think it was, I think it, the biggest thing was that we wanted, like, we saw other sites that were just really beautiful and really functional, and we wanted to do that. But be, because, um, Caitlin and I were both working full time jobs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we just didn't have the time to uh-huh. like spearhead a project to completely redesign the blog. Um, and so I actually ended up quitting my job in 2019 and working on the blog full time. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, it's time. It's time for us to redesign (laughs) this thing. Um, And I think we launched it in early 2020. Uh Um, So it's actually kind of recent that the blog is looking so (laughs) kind of sleek and nice. Um, Yeah, Yeah. A relatively recent development. 
And that might have timed out too, as everyone was at home and locked in their houses, you know, craving Chinese takeout. Maybe yeah. that was a good good timing too for that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was expecting you to say, oh, yes, I've always cared about the aesthetic. <laughs> it's always been important to me because it looks so good now. And, I, you know, like for me, whenever I buy a cookbook, I only cook the recipes that have pictures. You know, like I'm, mm. I don't think I'm alone either, but I think that when you go to your website and you see the pictures and you see the start to finish mm -hmm. pictures, it just makes you feel like you can do it a lot more easy than yeah. just reading yeah. words on a page. So Yeah, I will say that we, from the beginning, we did care yeah. about the photos. We That's cared about the, too. we yeah. did care about clear photos and the step-by-step -step photos because yeah, we want it to feel achievable and we also wanted the food to look good, right? right. right. Um, and so when it came to like the food styling, which is like my mom's realm um, <laughs> and like the propping and like the photography, we definitely did put effort into there. Um, but the actual site design didn't always match the quality of the photos. <laughs> well, I think there's something to be said, right? And like when you think about like food media, I think at the time that we were growing up, mostly the food that was getting like beautifully presented and savored visually was really not Chinese food or like not even like many True. ethnic foods yeah. beyond like Italian, I guess. Um, and, you know, there were there were pockets and there were trailblazers, you know, the the Martin Yans and the Grace Youngs and the um, Yan Can Cooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, well, the Martin Ming, Yan, I already Ming said. Sai, the yeah. Ming Sai, Ming Sai, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it wasn't that widespread. So I think for us to kind of, that's why the photos were so important because, you know, that's the thing about food blogging content creation is like it does, you know, the beauty does get you halfway there sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes, <laughs> not all the time, sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it was really nice for us to kind of say, you know, hey, like, let's get in the driver's seat and feature this food in the way that it deserves to be featured and spotlit and appreciated and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of marveled and drooled over. <laughs> so, yeah, that was mm -hmm. definitely like super important from day one. And I mean, you know, it was a, they were growing pains, you know, some of our old pictures. Actually, there's not so many yeah. old pictures surviving anymore, but some of our old pictures are pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I, I don't have current numbers and you can fill them in if you if you can. But uh, I saw seven million unique views a month. Is that still current or are you above that now? Yeah, 7 million page views a month is about right. Um, I think that that was a number that we kind of, uh, we did exceed that number during the pandemic. Um, things have kind of settled back down now, I think, as people are eating out again. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really amazing uh, to see that level of traffic. I mean, I used to get excited when in one day we would get 100 views. Right. <laughs> um, so to be at that level now where That's, we're at like yeah. a few hundred thousand views per day um, yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the f the five boroughs of New York are like eight million. <laughs> it's almost like <laughs> the entire city of New York is coming, you know, to your living room every day. That's amazing. Like those numbers are mind boggling in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great really analogy. That, that wow. makes me feel really like. <laughs> you can use that if you like. <laughs> so, so here we are 10 years later. And I think you can say, honestly, you wouldn't have dreamed of getting to this point. 
is it is it still fun is it still like something that you are looking forward to every day when you wake up yeah i think it is still fun i think sometimes when it comes to our core work which is the recipes um we get stuck as much as anybody else and we need like little bursts of inspiration so Mm -hmm. we'll go out to eat uh we'll travel um and try to kind of get new ideas that way and uh be reinvigorated that way. Um, but also like we've, we're just, we're getting started on, um, these new projects. We just released a cookbook. Uh Um, so that was a whole thing. I mean, that was like a big step for all of us, uh, to write a book together. And it was, uh, a roller coaster from start to finish. Um, and it's amazing to see it out there now. And, um, and then actually we're also working on, um, a new blogging studio space uh, hmm. for cooking and filming and uh, photographing. And we're also working on um, a new gardening series where we talk about how to grow Chinese vegetables. Oh. Um, so we've gotten really, uh, I don't know, I guess we're, my parents basically bought a working, we, we call it a working mini farm. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're using that space uh, for new types of content on the blog, um, which I think is great because I think farm to table is such a, it, it's like the same stuff we've been talking about, right? Like yeah. these concepts that were applied to food, but not necessarily Chinese food. Yeah. And, um, and Hey, like, let's talk about farm to table from a Chinese perspective, a Chinese food perspective. Uh-huh. Um, let's talk about how to grow these vegetables that may not be necessarily accessible to everybody across, you know, the U.S. or across the world. But you could always like buy a packet of seeds and grow them uh, to have that ingredient. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really exciting uh, new chapter. And it's just kind of amazing. Like, I did not imagine 10 years ago that we would be working on the walks of life full time, let alone that part of my job would be to like go outside and like (laughs) be gardening, you know? So yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about like what is rustic and artisanal and beautiful and like of the earth. And when people, you know, there's that like age old, like unfair perception of Chinese food is like, Oh, it's greasy. It's cheap. It's not that good or it's not that good of quality or whatever. But I think like we're finding a lot of like energy out of like having that kind of through line of like the vegetables and like how amazing like the full scope of vegetable uses in Chinese cooking. And I I showed my daughters your posts about your alpacas and a llama. You have alpacas and a (laughs) llama in the back. Don't forget the goats. And some goats. <laughs> they were super jealous, super jealous. They're very fluffy, but unfortunately, they don't like to be pet very much. They're they're a little skittish. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> they're so soft, though. Now you just ruined it. <laughs> let, let me navigate over to the page real quick. If you go over to the everyone out there, go to your nearest web browser and go to thewalksoflife.com and you'll see at the top so many different categories here. First of all, of course, recipes is first, right? And you have uh, categories and you have, um, it's like collections is what you call them. You have categories and collections and you can see things like vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, Chinese takeout, Chinese banquet, holiday season. You have everything on here. It's just, (laughs) just, it just, 
10 years of just accumulating recipes. Yeah, totally. I mean, we have, uh, I think the number is like, it's over a thousand. It might be like 1100 at this point wow. recipes on the site. So there's, and there's a lot there. Um, and then we have a hundred recipes in our new book. Um, well, that's, so that's just recipes. That's um, not even including like ingredients and, that's just recipes. and travel and all yeah. you know, the cultural stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what does what does culinary genealogy mean to you guys? It's at the head of your website here, but what does it mean to you guys? Yeah, I think it's basically communicating what our blog is, which is a family history as told through food. Um, because, you know, the recipes started, you know, the recipes that we started with on the blog were the ones, the tried and true recipes that we really saw on our dinner table growing up every weeknight um, that came from, you know, my my dad's mother's table or my mom's father's like braised fish or, you know, thing recipes that have been passed down. Um, and now that we've kind of embarked on this, uh, we, we've also gathered recipes from other family members, from mm -hmm. like my aunts or from cousins or, you know, extended family. And, uh, like we have this, um, amazing recipe for, uh, ham choy, which is like a pickled mustard green mm -hmm. that we recorded from my great grandmother. Uh, oh, wow. so my dad's grandmother. And uh, our cousin, Kathy, she, like, filmed my great-grandmother making it during COVID. Um, she filmed her making it, and she wrote down all the measurements. She watched uh. really closely, and so she helped us record that. Um, so I think, you know, those recipes coupled with um, this sort of idea of, like, our food landscape growing up, like, now that we've uh, become recipe developers and we kind of uh -huh. know what we're doing now in the kitchen um we've uncovered uh or demystified secrets uh of how to make recipe like how to make dishes that we never imagined that we would be able to make ourselves at home um yeah. but that were dishes that like affected us and that were part of our lives um mm -hmm. whether you know dim sum brunches after like <laughs> Qingming every year which is actually coming up it's in five days or uh -huh, six days uh -huh. Um, or, you know, th like, uh, Chinese New Year banquets and like all those yeah. dishes that like meant something, uh, to our family at a different point in life or a different time of the year. Um, we've recorded and it, it includes non-Chinese recipes too, right? Because, yeah. you know, we are not, we are Chinese American. Right. Um, and so we post, uh, recipes that are important to us, whether, regardless of whether they're Chinese or not. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the blog, the, the term culinary genealogy really like encompasses all of that, just sort of, um, one family, uh, our sort of journey through life, um, in recipe form. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Caitlin, what's your favorite part of the website other than the recipes? Other than the recipes? Hmm. Well, if, <laughs> if my dad were here, he'd want me to be like, well, the ingredients glossary, Curtis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my da my dad loves cool, the ingredients glossary as do many people it it, it is extremely helpful mm -hmm. it's a it's our attempt at cataloging the 
the whole wide world of Chinese ingredients and making it a little bit easier for for folks to understand what things are and then, you know, makes it easier for people to kind of branch out with different kinds of recipes. But that's not my favorite part. (laughs) I would say I would say my favorite are the travel posts. Um, uh-huh. I think that it's really fun for us to look back on like our our family trips from over the years and and we try to make them useful for people because we're like super diligent like itinerary makers and like well, I guess me and my sister mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. mostly, but like so over the years they've become kind of more like helpful travel guides for different destinations and it's just really fun to look back on you know what you did and what you ate and there's pictures of us together and stuff like that and it's just you know that's kind of part of the blog that remains more of a true sort of like family journal of sorts and like a family photo album mm-hmm. um and like i i know my dad likes it too because he he says he always says he's like oh when i'm like 95 years old i want to look back and see what we did you know yeah yeah i also love that people use those travel posts like they use our recipes like they actually use them to plan their own trips. And sure. I heard from one reader that um, so Caitlin and I did like a joint travel post about Maine, like traveling to Maine in fall mm-hmm. to like see the fall leaves and stuff. And I recommended this like very obscure kayaking, like bioluminescent kayaking experience uh-huh. Uh-huh. in that post. And a reader commented, they were like, Oh, we went on that kayaking trip and it was so amazing. And like at the at the trip, we met another couple who was there because they read your <laughs> blog. So it was like two people who Man. like went on this really small, like random kayaking thing because they read the walks of life, which is just so amazing and cool. And like they met each other and they talked about the blog. And I don't know. I, I think that the travel part of the blog is just um it's just like the recipes, you know, it's just as rewarding yeah. uh, to yeah. read that you've made a difference in somebody's life or someone, you know, like help them have a good time. So yeah. that's really cool. But yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you guys are like trusted friends now, you know, in a way, you know, we get to know you a little bit through your posts and and some of the videos and, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I feel like, like I know you guys a little bit even before we chatted today, <laughs> you know, and it's so it's always nice to get Rex from someone that you trust and someone that you know. So, well, the the funny thing about like it's kind of similar to to what you were saying though. Like, it's nice in the travel post when people like share their recommendations too. Like, that's actually my you know a great upside of it because the people come out of the woodworks who like live in that place, and they're like, oh, you should have tried you, you next time. Try this place, and I love that place too. And the biggest compliment is when the locals say like, oh, you nailed it. Like this is what it this is what you're supposed to do when you mm-hmm. you come to the place that I live and <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. like awesome for us when we hear that. That's cool. Yeah, so everyone go to the Walks of Life website if you haven't already. <laughs> go there for sure. There's all kinds of things. There's equipment reviews and advice. I like the kitchen wisdom section is always cool. Um, shout out to uh, everyone's favorite Uncle Bill who gives <laughs> us advice on ingredients and glossary info. Uh, yeah, just really, really a fun site. Now, I got to ask, you know, I've tried to do things with my family a little bit here and there, and it usually ends up being someone getting frustrated, <laughs> someone, you know, being glad that the vacation is over or whatnot. But you guys, not only do you work together a lot, and live together sometimes 
and travel together. You know, you're doing all these things together. Does it ever get to a point where it's like, you know what, maybe it's time for for me to do my own thing on my own or I need a break from this? Like, how does the family dynamic work when you're doing all this work together? Yeah, I think um, it's it's you know I think that we like Caitlin said when we were growing up we we've always been a close family we've always you know enjoyed like talking to each other and bouncing ideas <laughs> off each other um, and it's great I mean I think that to ha- like we are so lucky to be in a situation where all four of us are on board with this and want to do it and feel invested in it. Um, at the same time, working with your family can be frustrating <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you don't necessarily have the same boundaries that you might have with coworkers sure. and, you know, you know how to push each other's buttons. So there's definitely been, um, you know, ups and downs over the years. Uh, but I think that we've come to a place now, now that we've been doing this for, for a decade that we, we know how to work harmoniously with each other. And I think that a big part of that is putting in structure that feels like work, like that feels like you're doing a real job and running a real business. So like being organized, like having, you know, workflows that everybody kind of knows uh, so that, you know, there's no confusion or you don't have to, you don't have to excessively talk all the time <laughs> about everything. Yeah. Um, and then also just like setting boundaries between family time and work time. Um, so trying not to talk about blog stuff during the dinner, like during dinner, for example, which is something that always <laughs> used to happen. Um, <laughs> where we would just like find ourselves spending an entire dinner talking about blog things. Um, And now we're just kind of like, let's not talk about that right now. We can talk about that later. Um, Like like, what's going on with you and your life. Mm. You know, we we kind of uh, try to separate family talk and blog talk. I will say that part, part of the value of working together as a family, even though it, it can be, it can be brutal sometimes. Like it has been really difficult at times, but I think the benefit of sticking with it for so long is that we have this like mechanism in place that kind of like forces us all to come to the table, the literal and figurative mm-hmm. table with sort of this yeah. like higher responsibility in mind than just like each one of our like own individual like wants and desires and like in that way it is very like it it does feel very much like a chinese pursuit it's like we're all kind of like working towards this shared goal and you know you kind (laughs) of you have to keep the group Uh in mind and uh, things start to go off the rails if you don't do that i think we've done a pretty good job of at least becoming aware of our (laughs) personal patterns and trying to like Mm -hmm. break them or overcome them so yeah, it's really freaking tricky, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, it's nice that we have this, like, kind of enjoyable and successful venture that can sort of help us, like, mediate <laughs> our, you know, inter yeah. interrelational challenges. Yeah, no, it sure seems great. It sure seems like you're, you're doing something <laughs> right, you know, whatever you're doing, keep it up because it's working. Yeah.
All right, Sarah and Caitlin, you have survived our difficult questions. It is time for our lightning round. Are you ready for this? Love a good yes. lightning round. Okay. You can answer uh, individually or as a team up to you. Uh, what's a dish that you can eat at least once a week for the rest of your life? I have one. I, I would say scrambled eggs with doujiao, which is like a salted chili. It's so good. I swear to God, any time of day, uh-huh. any meal, that dish <laughs> with rice and like a little veg, like a, whatever you have, like sautéed bok choy or whatever, is yeah, like my yeah. go-to. In fact, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how much I eat that alone. I'm like, if only people knew <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like this like... <laughs> One recipe gal over here most of the time. I was gonna, I was gonna say the same. Oh, dish. Really? really? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's so tasty and it's so easy. Like yeah. in like in like three minutes. One pan. Like with with yeah. like a couple minutes of prep and like one minute of cooking, you're like yeah. eating. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good food. It's you know eggs. Eggs are such a perfect food in so they many really ways. Are. Yeah. All right. Well, that's surprising. Were you surprised that they would be that you guys had? The I same was surprised because I I know that that's my favorite, but I I guess I've converted Sarah. I every I when when I go over <laughs> to her place for dinner, I'm like, we're making this, and she's like, okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Next question: What's a dish that you could probably you know with all your recipes and experience, you could probably cook it at home. But what's a dish that you're probably going to order out most of the time instead of cooking it yourself? Mm. For me, that's probably salt and pepper pork chops. I was going to say the same thing. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Our brains are one. <laughs> because that that dish is like, I mean, when we were kids, like that was the anytime we went to a Cantonese restaurant, that was the one thing we had to order. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you've never had salt and pepper pork chops, they're basically a deep fried, um, very delicious, thinly pounded uh, pork shoulder chop. Um, with a delicious white pepper and salt and right. fried garlic and a little bit of um, green chili. And they're so good. And we have a wonderful recipe in our cookbook for it. Um, and my dad uh-huh. nailed it in the book. Um, but I will say that we live close enough to enough Cantonese restaurants that I would just I would rather just kind of go out and <laughs> and order that because it's for me, it's such restaurant food. And we've we've ha- eaten mm. it out at restaurants for so many years. Oh, I feel like you're like yeah. not even giving it enough credit because when you say like, oh, it's a must order, like, it, it yes, it was a must order. But like, I swear like it was the highlight of the day. Like if we knew that we were like going <laughs> out to eat and it's like. My mom doesn't even have to ask. She knows to order it. And it's like when it hits the table. And the worst is if it hits the table and you don't have the rice yet. And then you kind of have to like <laughs> impatiently like decide yeah, like, oh, we're yeah. going to have a piece without the rice. or We're going to wait for the rice. <laughs> it's just oh, so good. Yummy. Yeah. Do you guys know if that's more of a, a Chinese American thing that came over with the gold rush or... Is that something that you've ever seen in like salt and pepper stuff? Have you ever seen that? In yeah, and you can get it's it in Hong Kong. It's a Cantonese dish, yeah. Yeah, it's a Cantonese thing. So okay. like salt and pepper, not just salt and pepper pork chops, but like salt and pepper squid or salt and pepper seafood. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we actually have, Chicken yeah, wings, so yeah. Um, salt and pepper in all its forms is like <laughs> one of our favorite things. Yeah, yeah important to clarify, <laughs> it's white pepper for anyone listening who doesn't know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like... Yeah 
funnily, I don't think that Cantonese food is so easily replicated, at least in China that we've seen. Like you can like Sichuan,、mm-hmm. like Sichuan food is so popular in China. Like it's it's really like swept.、Mm-hmm. It feels like like swept the big cities at least, or you can like always find a pretty good Sichuan、yeah. restaurant. But like Cantonese is a little bit more.、Uh, It's a little bit、uh, more elusive in terms of、yeah. like finding a really good spot, and I think here in America, it's、yeah. just so dominant because of like the immigrant pathways, you know, usually coming out of、right. Guangdong or uh, uh, Hong Kong. So yeah, that's very much like an OG、yeah. sort of preparation, but just one that's not so.、Uh, It, it's so in the Chinese American consciousness. I don't know. It, it's not talked about so much when you kind、mm-hmm. of go over to China and like you see the food journalism over there. It's like they usually choose to spotlight some different kind of cuisine that's a little bit like more quote unquote like foreign、yeah. to a Chinese American or a a non、uh, Chinese、yeah. American audience. Yeah, I think it might have been a little case where it came over here. With Chinese roots, but then kind of took on its own life, you know, on its own, and then、um, it it seems kind of like to me for for the Cantonese food that I enjoy, it seems kind of like country food, and I think maybe pork chops is kind of one of those dishes that kind of came from the country and then went to America and might have came back to you know it's, yeah. It's kind of- I mean, a lot of、it. Chinese food is country food.、Um, a lot of it started yeah. in yeah. like kind of a rural and like agrarian context,、um, and、sure. yeah, you see that in in the many regional cuisines of China. I think there are some like forty distinct regional cuisines、uh, across China. Yeah, yeah least, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there there might be something to be said about how it is a more well. Okay, now it's conjecture. I don't know this for sure. Caveat, caveat. But like, right, it, right. you know, <laughs> back in the day of those agrarian societies, like oil was so precious. So it's like, and meat too. So it's like you wouldn't really eat meat that often.、Mm-hmm. You definitely wouldn't deep fry stuff that often. Maybe only for like Chinese New Year. So you're right. It probably is like a little、yeah. bit more modern at the very least.、Um, I don't know about the like translation、mm-hmm. across borders, but I think it's probably like the the popularity of like the salt and pepper fried treatment is is probably you know like more of a、yeah. relatively speaking a newer、uh, sort of、yeah. body of work. No, this stuff's kind of fascinating. This cultural journey of it is,、food. yeah, yeah. So you're you're right in the, you're right in the middle <laughs> of it. Yeah, it's part of what you do. Yeah. All right, getting away from cooking for a second,、uh, do you have a favorite fictional movie, book, or show about cooking? Can you think、um, of any? So there's this movie called Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, and the opening、yeah. scene of <laughs> Eat,、so、Drink, Man,、magical. Woman is like one of my favorite <laughs>、so、like five minutes of cinema ever. Um, yeah. So yeah. the movie is about a dad and his,、uh, th- I think, three daughters, and the father、right. is like a master chef. And the opening scene of the movie is basically this this father preparing a- an extremely elaborate meal for his daughters、uh-huh. who are coming home to see him and have dinner. And、um, 
it's just like I don't know, just like the upbeat music and all of the techniques that uh-huh. are shown in it's, that. It's like, worth a look up on YouTube scene. for anyone listening. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So yeah. yeah, it's great. From the '90s, that was like right after Joy Luck Club. I think yeah. that one came out, and so there's a little bit of a a little bit of a mini Chinese wave in the '90s of things coming over. So as for me, I'll rep the '90s again, and I'll say I kind of have two answers, but. I think the first one that comes to mind is like Hey Arnold, the cartoon. It was like a 90s cartoon. Uh-huh. And it was about a kid named Arnold. Okay, if, if anybody doesn't know this, like you're way too young listening, but fine, I'll explain it. It's about this kid, Arnold, who has a football shaped head. And he lives in this like sort of undisclosed American city. And it's meant to be like just like a sort of amalgamation of all American cities. And there's an episode where he is in an eating contest. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he like trains for the eating contest with his grandpa's like kooky grandpa. And he eats all this like weird stuff, like not weird, but like he eats all this like extremely varied stuff like a like a herring sandwich and like ice cream and burritos and tacos and souvlaki and like all this stuff like leading up to the contest and for the contest. And like, I feel like, like you can really tell like that me and Sarah were food obsessed, like literally our whole lives because like anytime, like there was like a little food centric episode of like a cartoon, like a kid's cartoon. We loved that episode. Like it was just so, (laughs) there's just like something about it that's so magical and delightful and, I don't know. It yeah. Just... To this day, we still get excited anytime we watch like animated movies and there's like animated food. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just something about it that really adds an extra layer. And yeah. It's nice to see food like have its like rightful place in in terms of like being shown as an important part of life in like mm-hmm. movies and TV. Like my other yeah. one that I thought of, which is is the movie Moonstruck, which is old with Cher. Mm-hmm. Cher mm-hmm. and Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. Moonstruck. And it's like an Italian-American story. And I just love the fact that in most of the scenes they're eating or like mm-hmm. in the kitchen or like, you know, kind of like it, there's a there's a hint of food happening at all times. And that just feels like really like amazingly <laughs> true to, you know, what, like an Italian American family would do, or like any kind of like mm-hmm. I think ethnic family that thinks food like considers food to be important and a centerpiece of life and their culture and their heritage, and yeah. yeah, I just love I love little touches like that, and it doesn't have to be like a, you don't have to say anything about it, but just seeing yeah. like the <laughs> yeah the mom in the movie flipping the like eggs and bread and roast peppers in the pan in the morning before she like tells Cher off for like cheating on her fiance with Nicolas Cage. It's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen the K-drama Let's Eat? I haven't. So I used to be a big K-drama person, but no, what's what's it about? Check it out. Uh I don't even remember the plot, <laughs> but it's, it's about <laughs> it's just food centric. Yeah, it's about this woman who loves to eat, and she meets this guy that she can't stand, her neighbor, but he also loves to eat, and then they kind of form a you know a uneasy alliance about eating, and it's just it's a fun <laughs> watch. You definitely oh, should watch. Oh, that sounds it. cute. Yeah, I'll check it yeah. out. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so I'm going to give you a couple options here. 
And just for fun, imagine that one of these uh, is something you can continue to eat and love. And the other one is gone from your life for an entire year. All okay. right. You ready for this? Uh, see, let's go with Sarah first. Noodles or rice? You can Ooh. pick one and the other one is gone for uh, you. Rice. Oh, absolutely rice. rice. Is got it. Yeah, rice is uh, rice over noodles. Yeah, rice, rice over life. noodles yeah, right. every yeah, we're time. more Cantonese that way. <laughs> all day long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, Kaylin, how about surf or turf? All seafood or all land animals? Oh, that's too easy. All turf. Yeah. <laughs> See, if you were maybe if you were on the West Coast or if you were in New York City more often, yeah, maybe. No, I'm a I'm a yeah, I'm a red meat guy myself. All right. So Sarah, this is a this is a this is a tech one. Uh imagine that one of these is gone from your life for a year. Which would you rather have eliminated? Any kind of technical issues or internet trolls and haters? One of those is gonna be gone from your life for a year. I'll have to say the inner the the uh, technical issues. I'd rather have gone. There will yeah. always be trolls. Yeah, um, that's true. So, that's yeah, true. but it, to have like a a tech issue free year sounds lovely. That'd be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. One. All right, and we like to end each episode by asking our guests to name an infatuation. An infatuation is anyone in the Asian community, living or deceased, that has inspired you. Sarah and Kaylin, who are your infatuations? Or you can pick one together. Um, I'll go first. I'll say um, she's actually all the way in China. She's a YouTuber. Her name's, or well, her YouTube channel is called Dianxi Xiaoge. Uh-huh. And she's she's in Yunnan. She like cooks and she like serves her f- grandparents and her family and her village these like amazing uh <laughs> dishes she like goes out into she harvests them yeah. and she shows you how to preserve them and <laughs> i've just gotten really upset actually um i know about this channel because a non-chinese friend uh-huh. recommended it to, to me and yeah. I, I was like oh like what is this and now i like tune in every week for yeah. like every new video she posts um i just think she's so inspiring and like i love uh because like yunnan food i i think is not as known here in the u.s mm. um and you know it's a less familiar style of regional cooking um i just find it endlessly fascinating to see all of the wide range of ingredients that yeah. she's using and um and the visuals and i think her videos yeah and yeah. the visuals are really beautiful like ASMR. And I think, <laughs> yeah totally and her videos are really fun yeah, love it. Yeah, we we talked about Lizzie Chi before on our our podcast. Another one is just amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's yeah. incredible. It's insane yeah. what the two like of them making do. her bamboo furniture from yeah. scratch. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the funniest thing is the Chinese internet trolls trying to be like she doesn't do all that, and then right. people will point out like her like bruised fingernails and her like dirty hands, and they're like, no, 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 she's doing it. <laughs> like hard, she's hard, yeah. definitely actually doing it. But then she drives home in a in a Maserati to her mansion. <laughs> 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 no, I don't. Yeah, no, just kidding, Lizzie Chi. Don't come at me. <laughs> Oh man! All right, Kaylin, you got a infatuation? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I've been thinking about it as Sarah was answering. I think I'm gonna say the most top of mind one, which is Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously she just had like her incredible circuit on like the award season, and so well deserved. And I feel like 
she's a good example because I feel like over the years, like when I was younger, I was like, whoa, you know, like a Chinese woman and she's cool. She's freaking badass and she's like yeah. in all these movies and like super successful. But like, you know, over the years and over the course of her career, too, it's like, you know, she kind of just became like unfairly. I think sometimes she's like the 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 be all end all like Chinese actress, right? It's like when they need a Chinese actress, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, get Michelle Yeoh on the phone. And I think it was yeah. a super nice reminder to like just hear her talk more about like the long arc of her career and her struggle and what she's been through and, you know, kind of a reminder that, you know, she still is that icon for so many people. And that mm-hmm. like, I think even though her journey has been so incredible that so incredible and yet also like a little bit pigeonholed too in ways that With the martial she's, arts yeah right like she she's always kind of like kept her head up in terms of you know just trying to push things forward so yeah. she has such a a nuanced story like i think when you look at it mm-hmm. from like a a racial lens that you know, it's not just it's not cut and dried. And I think there's a lot of different aspects that you can kind of unpack there. But I I just think that she's so I, I think she's a great role model and reminder and like, you know, that a reminder that's not simple and the, like, the yeah, path yeah. isn't simple. And, you know, her journey, even as an extremely successful, like beautiful person, like it was not yeah. easy and then like yeah. finally like only now finally, is she getting yeah. <laughs> like the recognition that she deserves is crazy but yeah, yeah i yeah. i think Great that's kind of <laughs> yeah what i've been thinking about lately yeah no perfect yeah she's she's amazing michelle and we like to manifest so uh if uh michelle yo if you ever want to come on the show you know how to find us you know send us a <laughs> message we'll get you on as soon as possible <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that does it for our episode this has been so much fun thank you so much for coming on yeah this has been awesome curtis thanks so much for having us oh i, I gotta give a shout out to my wife she's the one who messaged you and she goes guess who just replied to my message on instagram <laughs> it was you guys so thanks <laughs> so you great. made our day it was amazing oh <laughs> And for everyone out there, if you have not gone to thewalksoflife.com, please get over there immediately. You can also find them on other social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Are you guys on TikTok? Uh, we're paused on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. It's not my it's not my medium. I'm I think I've aged out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too old. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so yeah, you can follow Walks of Life on YouTube or Instagram and of course their website. And of course, you can get their book. We hardly even talked about the book, but my my mom has a copy and I haven't been able to wrestle it away from her. So she has the copy <laughs> at her house. So I got to go get it. But it is a it's a beautiful book. It is, what do you say, 100 recipes. Are they kind of, this, they're different than the website? Uh, they're designed to, some, some sort of like old favorites uh, are in there, uh, about 20. And then... 80 new recipes and the way that we try to do it is kind of like a a good how do I describe it a, a, mm. a nice diverse set of recipes for anybody that loves Chinese food kind of no matter what your background is right like different areas of China are represented Chinese American recipes are represented 
So we really wanted to, you know, the the title of the book is Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese American Mm -hmm. Family. And we really wanted to have that like kind of inclusive spirit with it. So it really is sort of like a really great like all, how do I say this? A really great like starter pack Uh for for anyone who like loves Chinese food and super familiar with certain dishes, maybe wants to find something new and also people who, you know, are maybe a more beginner yeah as well perfect it's beautiful and new york times bestseller so everyone go out and get the book follow the website again thank you so much for coming on and you guys can uh everyone out there can follow us at infatuation podcast and you can write to us at infatuation podcast at gmail.com and so for on behalf of sarah caitlin and myself we hope that you're all happy healthy and safe out there until we talk to you again soon Bye. 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 <laughs>